for listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present an encore presentation of Carmelite Conversations. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Uh, Francis and I are picking up on the second in a series of three programs, conversations that we are doing on the action of the will, how we conform our will uh, to God's will. And this is such an important teaching um, in John of the Cross and Teresa Babila, uh, and all the great Carmelite saints. And we're using uh, for our text a, a um, uh, short book, a brief book, by Father Wilfred Stinnison, entitled Into Your Hands, Father. Uh, and the subtitle is Abandoning Ourselves to the God Who Loves Us. What a great title, Francis, and welcome. Nice to see you back in the studio. A little chilly outside today. Yeah, it's God's will. So we offer that up because we know that he's allowing that to happen, but it is very frigid with wind chills below zero here in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, whenever you happen to be listening to this program uh, on the day that we're broadcasting, it is about five degrees outside, I think, and we're supposed to be uh, somewhere below uh, or, or at minus 8 or minus 10, I think, by tomorrow morning. And so wind chills of minus 20 or 30. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting uh, an interesting day. We're, we're uh, you know, experiencing still that Arctic vortex, I guess they're calling it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to join the polar bear club. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to start with prayer to make sure that as we uh, work our way through this program, we're guided um, by the Lord's will in our effort to communicate what... Uh, what the Lord wants us to communicate today, and, and we want to serve as his instrument. So, uh, Francis, would you lead us in prayer, please? Yes, and this comes from St. Teresa of Avila's Way of Perfection. It's an excerpt uh, where she does go off into a prayer about God's will. So, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Oh, my God, you make me understand that the only thing necessary is your holy will that it is my one and only treasure. In this life, what can be more beautiful, more safe, more perfect, and more holy than to do your will? You have given me free will. To what better use can I put it than to make it adhere to your divine will? If I should perform great works and carry out marvelous undertakings, which are not fully in accordance with your will, They would have no value for eternity and would therefore be destined to perish. Whereas the slightest works done according to your will have an eternal value. O Lord, I know that I am nothing. I acknowledge the weakness of my poor will, which now turns to one good, now to another, and considers as good what is really imperfection, fault, sin. But your will is indefectible. You can desire nothing but the true, sovereign good. Hence, you desire only my good, my salvation, my sanctification. Nothing, then, can be more advantageous to me than to consecrate my will to yours, O my God. At this moment, O Lord, I freely consecrate my will to you without reserve. Grant that your will may always be fulfilled in me, in the way which is most pleasing to you. If you wish me to do this by means of trials, give me strength and let them come. If by means of persecutions and sickness and dishonor and need, here I am, my Father. I shall not turn my face away. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Well, a couple of key points I want to draw out of that uh, wonderful prayer, Francis, and thank you for that. It's so appropriate for the topic that we're um, talking about today. And the first of those is we have to make that commitment. You know, Father Tennyson in his first uh, section, which we covered last week in this uh, three-part series, was talking about our need to acknowledge and accept that everything that happens in our life is, in fact, God's will. And we have to come to accept that. And we do so by making that commitment that St. Teresa made in that prayer. And then we have to accept what inevitably is going to occur next, and that is we're going to be met with trials. And not so that we can prove to God um, our acceptance of his will in our life, but rather God can prove to us or demonstrate to us perhaps um, where we're not quite there yet. Right? And, and you, you have to know, though, that by accepting his will, by embracing it, and even um, you know loving his will in these trials that may come, because that's the hardest thing to accept his will is sometimes uh, the trials, but to know that these trials are meant for our good. In some way, good will come out of them. He may not have wanted them to happen to us, but he permitted them to happen to us. And he can make the good come out of it. And it is our opportunity as if we embrace his will and if we love this will, it's showing our love for him by uniting ourselves with Jesus, who also suffered unto death in obedience to the will of God. Well, and the other important point she brings on, and for our listeners' benefit, we shouldn't ever forget this. Um, if we pray, if we ask the Father, he will reveal to us his will, and that may mean at times trials, but he will never leave us without the grace necessary to carry us through that trial. So he may uh, give us the trial, but he at the same time gives us the means of surviving that trial. Exactly. And so we always need to look for God's grace. Uh, and, you know, often I think we forget that God's grace is there for us. And... Um, I think sometimes we want to be self-sufficient there when we really need to just turn and say, Lord, help me. Thy will be done. Or like Mary, fiat. Well, so we began last week in this three-part series talking about uh, what Father Stinnison said is the first uh, stage of this uh, conformity to God's will. And that is learning to accept in faith everything that comes our way, everything in our life. Now, Let's acknowledge, as we did in our conversation last week, sin is not God's will for our life. If right. we choose sin, um, if we have an active conscience and we actively choose sin, venial or mortal, clearly that's not God's will. It's Even our free then, will, though. <laughs> it is our free will. The scariest thing that uh, God ever gifted us with is our free will. Be responsible. Uh, but... but uh, even that, as you say, Francis, he can bring good out of it, but he didn't will that. Everything else, as long as we're in a prayerful state and we're in communication with God, i.e. prayer, everything that happens to us, we must accept as his will. And in doing so, we sort of create a pattern of understanding how God might be working with us. And this leads us, in fact, to the last section uh, of that first section of Father Stinnison's, where he draws out one of the major impediments to our inability to conform ourselves to God's will. And this is St. John of the Cross's teaching on the memory. Now, St. John of the Cross does a wonderful job of reflecting on the importance of the theological virtues and how they are used, faith, 
to perfect our intellect, the, the um, uh, virtue of hope to perfect our memory, and of course, um, charity to perfect our will. Yes. Ultimately, in stage three, we're going to talk about um, this idea of the perfection of charity. And if you want to see these three stages, in fairness, in the context of the virtues, you could see this first stage, which we just concluded last week, and we're just going to say one thing about it here today, uh, really as the call to faith. I accept, Lord, that everything that's happening to me in my life is, in fact, your will. That requires a great deal of faith. Yes, and um, so we've got to flex our faith muscles on a daily basis in the little details of our life. So if we can be faithful in the little things, then when the big things come, we have strength because we're used to looking at God and saying, help me. Well, then Father Sinison concludes this section with a very powerful uh, uh, analysis of John's writings on hope. And he says here that we have to create a new past. Now, he actually goes into a little bit of an explanation of how a psychoanalyst might work or how uh, revealing some of the events, the painful events of our past, whether we caused them or something was done to us. And we must accept in our life experience that both cases are possible. Um, but nonetheless, Father Stinnison says that we really act today in large measure based on what is embedded in our human experience, not just our memory. We think of memory in the context of images that, that you know, have been presented to us, things that have happened to us. This is not just memory. It's memory as in the, the entire human experience, what we've done, what's been done to us, how we reacted to that, how circumstances then uh, evolved from that. It's the, it's the individual human experience. That's what's meant by the memory. And in this, um, Father Stinnison quotes St. John of the Cross and says, we understand St. John of the Cross when he says, all the great delusions and evils the devil produces in the soul enter through the ideas and discursive acts of the memory. Yes. Now, that's a powerful statement, and he draws that actually from uh, John of the Cross's The Ascent of Mount Carmel, Book 3, uh, chapter 4. In fact, I'll read that very section um, from John. He says, all the great delusions of evil uh, he produces in the soul enter through the ideas and discursive acts of the memory. If the memory is darkened, John says, as to all this knowledge and annihilated through oblivion, the door is closed entirely to this kind of diabolical harm and the soul is liberated. Well, that closing of the um, images and the uh, thoughts and so forth, unproductive thoughts now, um, is what is done through the virtue of hope. And in the virtue of hope, through the practice of the virtue of hope, what Father Stinnison reminds us is we actually accept the uh, experience that we've gone through. We acknowledge that Christ was there because we've already said, if Christ is in my life at all times and he was there even in the worst moments of my life, I accept that. But I move beyond that in hope, which creates a desire for the future. I begin to look to the future. I begin to look to Christ's promise for my life that everything will be redeemed. Right. Everything ultimately will be healed. And I stop reflecting 
de Cassade, who, of course, uh, Father Tennyson refers to a great deal in this book, uh, said to his own sister, you've got to stop looking at your hurts. You've got to stop looking at the, the things that have happened to you and start looking at Jesus Christ. Right, because we you know when we can get so caught up in self and, and just brood and pity ourselves, and we can just draw ourselves into a, a real muck. Yeah, and we've got to, in this second phase now, We've got to move beyond that. So I said uh, a moment ago, we might look at the first phase of Father Stinnison's three-part series here as faith and acceptance, everything that happens in my life. I have to heal my memories, not by psychoanalysis and, you know, regurgitating it or uh, any, any you know, uh, uh, one of a number of uh, modern therapies that may be used. And I'm not diminishing the value of those. I'm just suggesting that there is a spiritual doctor who can heal those for us, uh, Father Stinnitzer says, much more quickly and completely if we allow him to. And guess who that is? <laughs> that is the Jesus Holy Christ and, and the, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit working through us. Exactly <laughs> yes. right. And so the practice of the theological virtue of hope says, I've got to begin to turn myself to the acceptance of Christ's promise for my life and stop thinking about my childhood or stop thinking about my divorce or stop thinking about the financial troubles or stop thinking about that terrible accident I may have experienced as a child that left me uh, with a condition that I've now had to carry through life. These are realities. We accept that. We know they happen. But we have to move beyond that. We have to realize that there is a glorious and a joyful future awaiting all of us. And in hope, we begin to dwell on that, and we heal that experience of the past. Let me just give a, a, an example I received tonight. Two different people came up to me. I was in a waiting area. My son was at a swim practice, and I'm sitting here going over my notes for tonight, right? And these two individuals came up to me separately and asked me what I'm doing, and I'm telling them I'm preparing um, a radio broadcast um, about God's will. And they proceeded to tell me about, some instance in their life that was very painful and and you know their hope for for god's action you know and the grace to um make good of it and and so they proceeded to tell me how that's playing out and and in the instance of this one boy i there was a trevor and there was a rosemary and both of them were wonderful but i'll I'll share the trevor story uh he's had a lot of shoulder injuries knee injuries whatever and he's a swimmer and so this is keeping him from swimming but you know he's seeing the hand of god in this because he said you know, I'm really learning about the realities of life. He's a junior in high school. He said, I have goals for swimming, but when all these accidents happen, he says, I, I keep pursuing, you know, my health, but I'm seeing reality and I'm learning to become much more compassionate. And in all these uh, um, episodes of going to the doctor and going to therapy, he's now seeing the hand of God maybe possibly leading him into the area of being becoming a physical therapist. And, you know, he's got such a good conversational manner. I think he would be really good at this, but I, I marveled at how God was providing a hands-on um, example of how somebody is seeing suffering, tragedy in their own life, and yet exercising that virtue of hope and and seeing God's hand and, you know, where is God leading me? Where is God's will? And how they're responding. I just loved it. And you have to be open to it. This is what hope does. It opens us up to the belief that there is something better, that there is a guidance uh, to our life, that there's purpose to our life, and that it's leading us somewhere. 
um, picking up on Father Stinnison's three stages, what he would say then in this second stage, we have to pray as, as uh, Teresa did, St. Teresa at the beginning of our program, something to this effect. Now, this is Charles de Foucault, his prayer of acceptance. Whatever you do with me, I thank you, he says, Lord. I am ready for everything. I consent to all. Now, this sort of prayer obviously demands a very active and conscious decision that can cost blood and tears. We know that. But this is where Father Stinnison says we begin to put our hands to the plow. Now it's not just accepting all that's happened in my life as God's will, but I acknowledge that I've got some work to do. I've got to participate. I've got to begin to seek his will and act on his will if I want to fulfill his will. Yeah, and that acting is obeying it. You have to search for it, and then you have to obey it. That's a big one. (laughs) Exactly right. You have to be responsive. Now, we can ask, well, who is our model in this? None other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. From John 4.34, I can do nothing on my own authority, Christ says. Because I seek not my own will, but the will who of him who sent me. Now, let me ask this question of our listeners, and you should each ask it of yourselves. Um, if we knew that there was a way, uh, well, let me say it this way. If we had the choice to get up tomorrow morning and decide for ourselves in every hour what it was that we were going to do, and all of the decisions that we will face in a day, which are many throughout the course of anyone's uh, given day. There are a number of options available to us for how we will use our time, how we will conduct ourselves, what we will say in certain circumstances. If we had to choose all of that on our own, or we had the alternative of being guided by someone who created our past, who manages our future, and and who is in complete control of the present situation. (laughs) And is all wise and all seeing. (laughs) And is, by the way, doing that for everybody else. Which would we choose? (laughs) Well, the truth of the matter is most of us on a daily basis choose to make our own decisions. And we don't do so in a lack of obedience. At least we don't perceive it that way. But it is the way we operate. We have to open ourselves through the practice of hope a desire to fulfill God's will, and then to obey it, as Francis said, once we know it, we've got to open ourselves and let God direct the course of our day. If one's life is barren, Father Stenison says, the reason behind it is always the frequent frequent repetition of the word no. No, <laughs> no I won't no, serve. God. I'm not no, going to I do No, I won't do it. Yes, exactly. So, you know, obedience, such a such a large role. But, you know, in order to have that obedience, we have to have love. And to have the love, we need to know love. So we, we need to know God. We need to believe in God. And we obey because we love God and because we're imitating Jesus. So this is all important. And, and I think as we um, try to discern God's will and act on God's will, there's a great deal of surrender and abandonment. These are these are like deeper levels of of obeying, I think. Um, and of course, St. Therese of the Flower is an excellent example on this. But yes, it's very important that we get away from the worldly standards of, of how to do things and how to plan things and really go through the lens of God. You know, how does God see this? Where is God leading me? And that leads to Father Tennyson's next question. Does God literally direct every minute of our day? You know, we wrestle with this question, Francis. I think individually we all do. Well, Mark, are you saying that God directs every minute of my day? Father Stinnison says, 
Yes. Yes. But, actually, he does. Yeah, I know, but you know, I was taught exactly what uh, Father Stinnison brought up in there, and this is that, well, if you follow the Ten Commandments and you do the councils and you follow the precepts of the church, then, you know, you're in, in good hands. Um, and, and so Father Stinson's is saying, but what about all those other times of the day, you know, when, when you have some flexibility? You, do you all of a sudden just do your own will then? <laughs> I'll let you go on. Well, with that. and so he said, he gives us the model for this. He says, one cannot imagine our Lord deciding, uh, well, should I preach or should I pray? He, he didn't do it with feeling. I could just as well have done this or that. Not the case. The Lord knew because he followed at all times the perfect will of his Father. Could we imagine our Blessed Mother uh, in her life to, uh, uh, of obedience and, and in her individual moments of freedom saying, well, I could do this or I could do that. Mary lived under this simple pretext. What would you have me do, Lord? What would you have me? That was her constant prayer. That question, though she may not have uttered the words or not even heard them interiorly, I am the handmaid of the Lord, says it all. We know what was in the heart of the Blessed Mother. Hope stems from the heart. Our heart must be in alignment with the Lord's will. And as Francis said before, that means that we love the Lord's will. We have to seek that place where I want to do more what the Lord wants me to do than what I want to do. And this starts with this idea of moving away from measuring everything in the context of how will that affect me? Now, we may not know that we do this, but in reality, every decision that I said before we make throughout the course of the day, what we're going to do, what we're going to say, how we're going to respond to certain situations is based on an internal calculation of how something might affect me. It's not bad in and of itself. It's actually simply human behavior. But yeah. we've got to move beyond it. Well, I have, I got to practice that today. I went I went to Mass, and I was the lector, so I was in the sacristy preparing, and the priest comes in, and he says, well, how do you like the weather? I says, oh, yeah, it's cold. And he says, well, how do you like that? And I says, oh, I love it. It's God's will. <laughs> So, you know, just in the little moments, fiat, you know, that that one word, fiat, now has so much more power because you understand that, that the fiat comes because of her great love and her um, her constant obedience uh, to God and the instincts and the insights and the nudgings that the Holy Spirit has given her. And, you know, what a model for us uh, to to show us that, you know, that foundation of love does produce obedience. Well, and if we're going to reach the level of obedience that our Blessed Mother did and acceptance of God's will and the fulfillment of God's will in every minute of our life, it leads to the next inevitable question. How do I do that? How do I prepare myself for that? How do I dispose myself? How do I seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit? We know that we should be praying unceasingly. We, we've covered that so many times. We have some sense of what that means. It, it, it again, stems from the desire of our heart. Uh, but there have to be more practical ways that we be, begin to conform ourselves. I don't want to suggest, and I don't think Francis does, that we're... Um, uh, in a position, any of us, to walk out uh, uh, of uh, whatever building we're in in the next hour or so and say, okay, I've gotten the the, the trick now. I, I know exactly what I'm going to do to make sure I'm in conformance with God's will at all times. We have to work our way into this process. But there are some very practical steps, and Father Stinnison walks us through those very practical steps that begin to move us down this path. And the- some of them we've given already. The healing of our memory through the focus on hope, 
The acceptance of God's will for everything that happens in our life is God's will. That's the practice of faith. And then there are more practical ways, as we'll discuss, that we begin to move forward into an act of obedience. Yes, I think we, there's going to be some external objectives and some internal um, guidelines for us. Uh, but in the midst of all this, we want to remember, and we've talked about this on many programs, is practicing the presence of God. So, you know, God is not way out there somewhere. Uh, of course, he is out there, but but we are submerged in God. God is all around us, and it's most especially he is in us, in our soul, where he is residing, and he's asking us to look within. And remember St. Augustine and how he talks about in the confessions, you know, late have I loved you, and, you know, to, to look all these places and not find him, but to find him within where he last looked. Um, so let's start there, um, looking for God within, uh, asking the Holy Spirit, to enlighten and guide us. And then um, I think we're going to have to take a little bit of a break now, but when we come back, uh, we'll get to what some of those external and internal guidances are. A reminder that you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We'll be right back. Holy God, Fill 
listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you're currently listening to is a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. You know, we're talking about, Francis, this idea of conforming ourselves to God's will. Uh, As is true in so many of the teaching of the great Carmelite saints, um, we can provide the principles and, and the guidance of the great saints on the path that they walked, um, and in large measure, um, Father Stinnison is using St. John of the Cross, um, uh, Jean-Pierre uh, de Cassade, uh, and his great writings on abandonment. But no doubt there are members of our listening audience who've had their own experiences in conforming their wills uh, to uh, God's and finding success in that. Or maybe there are some that are still struggling with it. That they can also share with us on Carmelite Conversations on Facebook. So um, we do have a lot of people starting to write in now, and that's wonderful. I, I really like that, and thank you, all of those who do that. That's very um, gratifying, inspiring. And, and we do take your feedback to heart. We we try to make uh, uh, accommodation for those things that people have asked us to speak on or a particular saints that they may want us to reflect on, and so we do appreciate very much that feedback. All right, and God usually works with us from the outside Going to the inside. So let's start. What is this external guidance and internal guidance that we can get to help us do God's will? Well, absolutely right. He works that way because we work that way, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, we try to analyze things. We live in nature. We live in the world. We, we read. We listen. We're engaged in conversation. Uh, we think. We use our minds, and that's a good thing. God gifted us with those uh uh, elements of our human nature. And so uh, we have a number of external sources that help us to understand God's will. We don't have to uh, sort of uh, get up every day and wait for the, you know, the mail to come and there's going to be a letter in there with God's will. He's given us many more uh, and more immediate opportunities to understand his will. And externally, the first one would be the church. Uh, represented in the Pope and the Magisterium, the, che- the teachings of the Church. We can find this, of course, in the Catechism um, and in a number of other documents relative to the teachings of the Church, how we should be conducting our lives, what is the meaning of the human experience, how should we respond to difficult circumstances in our life. We could go on for uh, for quite some time with the, the specific teachings, both moral and doctrinal, but these are an external source that will help us provide guidance. And, and basically you know, the Ten Commandments and the evangelical counsels of chastity, poverty, and obedience. Lived out to the fullest extent we can based on our individual conditions and, in life. And the Beatitudes, a B attitude. I mean, I think obedience to God's will is an attitude of life. It's not just something you do here and there, but it is a lifelong um, way of being. Just like prayer. Prayer is a way of life. So is doing God's will. It's a way of life. Well, the next uh, most immediate, and we should take advantage of this every single day, of course, is God's Word. Uh, now, we referred to the church first, and I think it's important uh, to understand why we must look to the church first. We wouldn't want individual interpretations of Scripture. In fact, Scripture tells us that uh, it is not subject to individual interpretation. But the church, guided by the Holy Spirit and the magisterium through the teaching and communication to the faithful, helps us understand 
understand Scripture. But we individually have a responsibility to turn to Scripture every single day. And you may do that by uh, reading uh, a periodical like the Magnificat. Uh, simply your attendance at Mass is, of course, exposing you to Scripture. Uh, but we also have a responsibility to reflect on Scripture. Scripture is a great way for the Lord to uh, communicate very directly to us. We read it. We can interpret it. We can understand it. Not again individual interpretation, but uh, in the way that God may be speaking to us. And it is very accessible to us every day, a very powerful external means that the Lord has for speaking to us. Yeah, these are not just words written on a page. These are inspired words. These are living words. These are words full of grace. And I want to remind our listeners in terms of the context here, we began this with the acceptance of all that happens to us as God's will. We have a responsibility to understand what's happening to us and to embrace what has happened and is happening as God's will and then begin to move beyond it. Now we're in that putting our hand to the plow that Father Stinnison talked about. And part of putting our hand to the plow is we've got to listen to the church. We've got to listen to God's word. We've got to uh, seek out his will in an active way. And another great way of doing that, Francis, is by by the teachings and writings of our saints and the fathers of the church. How powerful. I mean, we've got doctors of the church uh, to uh, give us universal teaching. But, you know, uh, we want to learn from them, but and we want to imitate them, but we all have our calling to live our unique life. So we don't want to be um, somebody else. We want to be who God has created us to be and fulfill his will for us. But it, but we can learn so much from those who have gone before us. And that's exactly, uh, I think, the point that we've raised so many times about St. Teresa's life. You know, we might uh, wonder, well, why was there a St. Therese of Lisieux who was taken home to glory at a fairly young age, and yet poor St. Teresa had to hang around for quite a long time, and of course, uh, we know... Me too, and you too. (laughs) And that's right, we're still here. John of the Cross went a couple years before uh, the age that I am now, so I'm I'm hanging... Obviously, I'm not as ready as John was, but uh, the point is, for those folks, not for me, Francis, but the the reason I'm still here is I haven't learned yet, but St. Teresa had to live out the life that God had planned for her... Uh, because she would leave signposts along the way. Oh, yes, I'm so glad she lived a long life so that she could speak to us all these experiences, all these things that she's learned, and, and give us guidance on how to respond favorably to God's call. And again, as Francis points out, we each have an individual mission, something that the Lord has specially created us uh, for and that he wants us to do. And it's not like we have to sort of, you know, he's not playing I have a secret. His secret is revealed every day. You know, we might wonder sometimes, well, why doesn't the Lord just tell me what he wants me to do? Well, I'll tell you, because we would immediately mess it up. (laughs) Or we might say, oh, no, I can't do that and run away. (laughs) And of course we can't. We always look at God and say, you know, help me. You you do it for me. And just use my arms. Use my feet. Use my eyes. Use my voice. Whatever. But I'm yours, Lord. Just take over. And he wants us to do that every day. He wants us to give in to that every day. We're going to talk about that in just a moment uh, in terms of how we find the Lord's will each and every day, because that's how it's revealed to us. Seldom does the Lord throw us, uh, show us the three-year plan right. as much as we might like that. He may plant something in our heart heart that we know won't come to a realization for some time. Uh, but he doesn't often say, here, I've mapped this entire thing out for you. And all you got to do is 
connect the dots. And more often than not, he works through the ordinary rather than the supernatural or extraordinary. And that's important for us to know. The next external means that he has, which actually transitions to the internal means, and that is the sacraments. Most especially, I would say, the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, because here we begin to understand not only uh, God's mercy and his love and his acceptance of us, but as we sort of move back and forth off course towards, nonetheless, his goal, because he's the one who's determined the outcome, not us. Uh, we're not going to mess it up. We can't work hard enough to mess it up as long as we desire to pursue his goal, but we're going to be off course most of the time. And reconciliation through the church helps us to get back on course and sort of course correct those deviations from that. And we learn from our mistakes and we grow from our mistakes. So, you know, it's good. (laughs) And, you know, I'm going to throw out this one, Francis, which I think you hinted at just a moment ago, just genuine conversation with people every day yeah. will teach us and reveal to us God's will. Have you ever had the experience of somebody just saying something to you and it hits you in a very dramatic way and you think, I think God wants me to do that. I think I'm being called to that. And I will say and encourage our listeners that this is more often or more likely to happen if your circle, if your community of friends are also believers and they are people who are on a similar path. That's why the importance of community. Uh, For us in Carmel, of course, we have our uh, our community, our members who uh, we interact with at least once a month, though now we are uh, beginning prayer groups that will allow us to meet more often. But it's very important. You wouldn't want to uh, seek that counsel from someone who you know um, is not on a journey, is not on a path. Not to say that God can't use all instruments, but more often than not, if this is the means he's going to use to communicate to us, it'll be from someone we know uh, is also on the journey and who we have faith in. Uh, and, what who, they tell and who's us. open to God. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and so God does work in the details of our lives, in the circumstances of our lives, in the daily duties of our lives. We get a little nudge. Something doesn't go right here, but it opens another door there. You know how everybody says, well, if this window closes, another one opens. Uh, so, you know, it, it's those kind of catchphrases that help remind us that, that God is paying attention. And, you know, each, uh, each little stitch in the tapestry of our life is, is being uh, performed and, um, you know, our job is to not be concerned, uh, and know that the work will be completed in the right time, in the right measure as God wants, uh, if we just look to Him and, and try to follow. Yeah, so the answer to the question that Father Tennyson raised at the beginning of this section before we get to the internal guidance, uh, is, is God actually guiding us every minute of our life? And the answer, resoundingly, is yes. (laughs) The question is, and the challenge is, are we listening every minute of our life? So we have a series of external ways of doing that, but we also have internal ways. And, of course, the most important, we mentioned the sacraments, which are both an external sign and an internal uh, means of acquiring grace. But the other very powerful internal means we have, of course, is prayer. It is the foundation of the Carmelite life, um, interior prayer, meditation, and ultimately contemplation where God does most of the work. These are the most important means that we have of gaining an insight and an understanding of what God may be calling us to do at any minute in the day. And these are important because prayer as we define it, according to Teresa, it is an intimate conversation with him whom we know loves us. So it's relationship. And, you know, 
we do have, you know, the Eucharist. Of course, that's an external and internal sign and sacrament. Um, but, you know, we can't be receiving that every moment of every day. Um, you know, once a day we go to Mass. Uh, if you go to daily Mass, uh, sometimes you can go twice. Uh, but anyway, uh, we have prayer access. We have the ability to access prayer every moment, every place, re- regardless. So... Well, uh, uh, in addition, what what Father uh, Kassad talks about is the practice of silence. We talked about this at length on previous conversations, Francis. And what he refers to it as is developing a spiritual ear. Yes. God wants us to develop a spiritual ear. By silence, of course, we mean silence in the largest context, quieting all those things in our life that are not God. We talked about that in the context of memory. We have all these things from our memory, from our collective human experience that act on us throughout the course of the day and cause us to react and respond in certain ways. And John of the Cross says, the practice of the virtue of hope will lead us out of that, heal that, and move us to a future of desire and desiring God's will. But Father uh, de Cassad and and Father Stenison quoting de Cassad talks about uh, uh, what he calls in the French, atre non suspect, which is an unexpected instinct that comes as a result of our actions in prayer, our obedience in prayer, in responding to God's desire to speak to us, we lend a spiritual ear and we get an internal compass that helps us understand. Now, most of the time, as I've said before, uh, as we're uh, you know, along this path, we're going to be slightly off course. I don't know. I used to be a navigator, Francis, and I may have told this story, oh, but I didn't know that. when an airplane transitions, let's say across the ocean, um, 90% of the time that airplane is actually off course. Oh. It's constantly making course corrections, either left or right. It never flies a perfect path. A wind and, and air pressure and other things affected and cause the, the airplane to go off course. Uh, it's inevitable, but it's constantly course correcting. Well, that's what our spiritual life is. Mm, excellent. And the compass, the internal compass, is is destabilized occasionally, but is restabilized through the practice of these interior um, uh, pursuits, if you will, of God's will. The sacraments, prayer, uh, the Eucharist, of course, listening. Um, and listening in silence. All of these lead to this atre non suspect, or the unexpected instinct. We will get a knowledge of God's will for us in a given moment, in a given decision, maybe over the course of a long-term plan that he wants to fulfill in us. It'll just come to us. And then the details start to fall into place. It may be a nudge or an intuition or a spiritual insight. Uh, Those were other words that you might use to describe that. And what's important about the way that this is described is we're not sitting there stewing and wondering and calculating and evaluating in order to try to understand God's will. The fact of the matter is that we will come to know God's will more in a peace and a stillness and a quiet and a contemplative manner, in a manner of surrender, in a manner of abandonment to his will, than if we sit and calculate or evaluate or think about or analyze ad nauseum uh, in an effort on our own part 
to understand God's will. Well, you know, some people can get stuck here, and to not decide is to decide, and that's not moving forward. So I, I think it's important for us to say, okay, I'm going to make the best decision I can at this moment, at this time, and then in faith you say, and if I'm off course, Lord, help me, get me back on track. Uh, but for now, this is the direction I think you're leading me, and so in faith I'm going to go this way. And that way we can have peace. If we're going to be full of anxiety, you know, that that's a, uh, an indication that, you know, we maybe haven't considered everything or we're dwelling too much on the ego, the self, rather than on the strength of, of God's grace that is present before us. Yeah. Um, from Scripture, of course, God is the God of peace. First Corinthians 14.33. His will leads, as a rule, to a deeper peace. Our egoism is what leads us in the other direction. Our pursuit of self. Uh, Jesus does not try to realize a detailed plan that he has in his pocket, Father Tennyson says. Instead, he carries out the uninterrupted dialogue with the Father, which reveals God's will to him at every moment. Um, w- what we are asked to do is avail ourselves of the revelation of God's will in each moment. And yes, we're going to be off course, but we're not going to be off course because God is failing to communicate. We're off course because we're failing to listen and maybe to accept and maybe to respond. These are other challenges that we'll face inevitably. Yeah, and sometimes we can get too intellectual about it. Sometimes you just have to leap in faith. And I think God likes it when we practice faith, right? Faith is the approximate means, the closest means of growing in, in love of God and neighbor and um, and growing in holiness. Well, again, Father Stinnison falls back to the teaching of John of the Cross. And here he's talking about uh, this openness and availability it's the uh, opposite of what I said before is often a trap for us, and that's when we weigh things and we evaluate things. And again, uh, I want to emphasize, we do this subconsciously. We may do it overtly. We may say, well, let me think about whether that's in my best interest, and is that a good thing? Uh, you know, and let me uh, you know, sort of put a pluses and minuses a scale on it. And we can uh, do we, that. We may do that, but... but Internally, we are constantly evaluating, reacting, uh, evaluating, judging uh, whether, in fact, something that's happened is in our best interest. Is it a good thing for us? Is it a bad thing? How should we respond to it? Father Stinnison says, here's where we need to fall back on John's teaching of both detachment, Mm -hmm. detachment of our own feelings, our own desires, our own ambitions, and also practice the nada. This is another where, uh, a place where John um, would have applied this teaching of the nothing. Don't pursue anything that's of your own will. Now, this takes time, and I want to emphasize that. This isn't something, again, that you're going to walk out the door and start doing tomorrow, but getting ourselves through the practice of faith, accepting that all that happens to us is God's will, that God is not trying to hurt us. He's always trying to lead us forward and practicing hope in that we desire to fulfill God's will, even though occasionally we're going to go off course. God's going to always correct us. What John is saying is stop deciding on your own what it is that's going to lead you along the journey or in his uh, context up the mount of Carmel Stop making those decisions on your own. Let God reveal it to you. Practice nada. 
pursuing nothing. God will reveal it to us in each and every day. Now, this doesn't absolve us, as we talked about last week, of our individual responsibilities to fulfill our obligations. We have to get up and go to work. We have to, you know, take care of our children. We have to monitor our homes. We have to, uh, you know, take care of aging parents. All those things are still our responsibility. It doesn't absolve us of that. What it absolves us of is the worry over whether all of those things that are happening to us are in fact the right things that should be happening to us. Are they leading us down the path? We need to stop worrying about that. We need to put that aside. Yes, put ourselves in God's hands, and we're in good hands. You know, our Blessed Mother, she had this fundamental attitude of readiness and openness. And readiness and detachment, as Father Stenison says, are two sides of the same coin. So to be detached from your own perspective, your own thoughts, your own plans, and being open and ready and, and flexible, um, because things change. I, I'm sure our Blessed Mother wasn't thinking about going to Bethlehem, you know, about ready to deliver and not have a place to stay. <laughs> but it all worked out, and boy, haven't we learned a lot from all of that. Yeah, this practice of detachment, again, so important. Um, and, and Father Citizen says the degree to which we know we're practicing detachment will stop planning. We'll stop making plans. Now, for somebody like me, Francis, I have to admit, that's not a good message. I don't like hearing that. <laughs> I want to know what I'm going to be doing next week, what I'm going to do next month, what the one-year plan is, what the three-year plan is. I need all that stuff mapped out. And and God might even allow me to think about it a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, how much of our planning, quite frankly, has been a waste of time? <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, I think we do need to have some kind of, you know, in in our life, we have to have a schedule of some type. But the thing is to have that flexibility and openness to know that it will change. Like tomorrow morning, I know our kids are praying that school is going to be canceled because it's so frigid cold. And, and yet they may still have have school. So, you know, I have to be open to, well, God, what do you want today? <laughs> well, and what we uh, have to uh, move to here, then, is the practice of patience in God's uh, delaying the revelation of his will. Sometimes he's going to call us to it. Yeah, to practice that patience, to wait on God's revelation of the plan. Oh, that is huge. Yeah. And how many times I am not waiting, and I'm like, oh, Lord, please help me be patient. You know, this is uh, uh, a great quote directly from Father Stinnison's text, and I, I, this speaks to me personally. I just admitted to it, so I'll have to read it now. <laughs> There's perhaps no more effective way to die to oneself, that's what we're talking about, than by patience. The natural man wants to know what is going to happen. He wants to foresee. He wants to decide. He wants to make plans. There's no limit to his impulsiveness by not listening to him, but by listening patiently instead to what the Holy Spirit is saying to our heart. The old man in us moves towards a certain death, a death that we are called to, not a, not a negative death, but a death that we are called to. When God wants to do, uh, wants us to do a certain work, it becomes meaningful and dear to us. This is that creation of hope which leads to desire. God says, I will plant the desires within your heart, mm -hmm. meaning he'll plant within our hearts the very things he wants us to desire if we will stop making the plans for the things that we desire. And he goes on to say, you know, God's will does not hover over the work, nor is it behind the work. I'm like, well, where is 
is it? And he says, God's will is in the work itself. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was very good. Just as God's word is incarnate, so also is his will. I'm like, oh, that was that was a gem. Really now, like Francis, it. you brought something up a, a little earlier about this idea of the little things being so important. And Father Sinison reminds us of that very idea when he says, I live much more in God's will when I do the little ordinary work he gives me to do right now. Tomorrow is now. We're creating our future in the little things that we do. Of course, uh, the master of this was St. Therese of Lisieux. Uh, and if we would only understand, Father Stenison says, that we can only realize our dream by being totally present to the little and insignificant things we have to do at each moment, we encounter the infinity of God only in the present moment. The more we are recollected in that moment, the more clearly does the eternal now of God reveal itself to us. This is what we are being called to in this living out uh, of, of the obedience to God's will. In uh, his uh, famous work on abandonment, de Cassade says, The only rule is the duty of the present moment. In this the soul is light as a feather, liquid as water, simple as a child, active as a ball, in receiving and following all the inspirations of grace. And- we Go ahead. And he said something about the present moment being the eternal now. I really like that. And that's what we have. We have this present moment. And that's all we have. We can only find God now, in this moment, in the next moment, in the next moment, and in putting together a string of those moments, then we come to realize his will. We're not going to fulfill God's will for tomorrow by worrying about tomorrow. We're not going to fulfill his will by doing things that are not appropriate for the time that he's asked us to act. Because he gives us the grace in each moment. And he also reminds us again at the end of this section not to focus on the past. He says we have not adequately surrendered our past with its guilt and painful wounds if we're continuing to carry those into the present or reflect on them as it relates to the future. And when we are so preoccupied with our past, our future, we naturally have neither the energy nor the openness to live in the present moment. We've got to control the balance of the past and the future and leave ourselves focused on the present moment in order to to find the true freedom that Father Stenison is is advocating for us in this obeying uh, God's will in the present moment. Well, I think we're uh, out of time, Francis. Again, we haven't quite finished, so we'll have to pick that up uh, in our next conversation. It's been a great um, conversation. I I really enjoy this text, and I think there's so many rich teachings in here, which is probably why we keep running out of time. But (laughs) could you close us in prayer? Yes, this comes from St. Therese of the Child Jesus, an excerpt Um, along with some other prayers added. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, hear my poor prayer. Once more, I offer you my will. Take it. Keep it a prisoner, so that I shall never be able to withdraw my offering. With St. Therese of the Child Jesus, I repeat, My God, I will not be a saint by halves. I am not afraid of suffering for you. One thing only do I fear, and that is to follow my own will. Accept, then, the offering I make of it, for I choose all that you will. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Well, we're going to pick up next week on a topic I think a lot of people have wrestled with, which is this idea of human freedom. And why did God give us freedom to make so many bad decisions and to so often disobey as well? Uh, we'll begin with that before concluding with the third section of Father Tennyson's book next week. Until then, God bless. And a reminder, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations.